Hello everybody out there. This is Z, the episode editor, and I'm just coming to you now to uh, give you a little heads up um, all the way at the end of the episode when we talk about famous last words. We talk about our famous last words for the Cinephiles fandom, which unfortunately will not be the next episode. Uh, some last minute scheduling changes had to be made, so uh, we'll actually be doing that episode not this coming week. It won't be number 31 or 32, but it will be episode number 33. So watch for that. We have a special guest lined up for Cinephiles. Epic film guy Nick will be joining us. Uh, and, you know, why bother worrying about the future anyway? Because you got this great episode right now here in the present. So please do enjoy this episode. Thanks very much for listening. Live from the NixCast Phanthropological Institute, today we're talking about Cyberpunks. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast that brings the fans I view to Phanthropological. We are back for another week, and we are here to deliver the eulogy. For the MP3. <laughs> it was fine, I guess. <laughs> but certainly ubiquitous. Terms like MP3 player and MP3 CD come to mind. Yep. Napster also comes to mind, but that wasn't dependent on MP3s. No. No, you could have Flack up there or AICC or AIFF or whatever. Point is, MP3s are gone. Stolen by the giant corporations that are trying to continue their dominance of the world. Here with me to talk about cyberpunk are my two best friends, Nick Z. Hey, I've checked into the Matrix and I'm going to shoot my 3D virtual reality lasers at that megacorp. I know what I'm talking about. And Nick T. <laughs> I thought what I'd do is pretend I was one of those deaf mutes. Ooh, deep cut. Deep cut? <laughs> Wait, how do you two know that? <laughs> I was around anime for a long time. <laughs> okay, just checking. <laughs> yep. Even then, I'm not entirely sure, but I can feel it out. I feel like I was at Fan Expo and someone had it on a t-shirt or something. Oh. I mean, it's, or it's something like that. It's kind of relevant to today's episode. Yes, it is. A little bit. Mm. Yes, it is. For those of you who already figured it out, uh, open your... If you still have a disk drive, open it to receive a gold star. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did we mention what we're talking about this week? I did. Oh, perfect. Yeah. I, cyberpunk. I apparently am not on the ball. I have jacked out of this conversation. <laughs> it's, a, it's a dangerous world, this meat space. Boy. It's filled with meaty, people-y things. Um, People still say meat space? Uh, I think it's it's a term used very infrequently. I, uh, I'm glad. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care for it. It's kind of a squishy, gross kind of, yeah. kind of word. Can get kind of sweaty in meat space sometimes. <laughs> it's unpleasant just hearing it. I'll even take an air an air quotes real life over the term meat space. <laughs> you mean like IRL? Yeah, IRL. Oh my goodness. Mm. <sighs> Any more nineties uh, internet terms? No. Um You wanna slap on here? I was gonna dive into that delicious sounding not meat space. Uh gonna dive into the fandom facts. Fandom 
I usually end up researching fandom packs, and it's it's like a quick set of statistics for the fandom that we're talking about. This week we're talking about cyberpunk, mm-hmm. and let me tell you, this was uh, this was a challenge <laughs> because I think unlike many of the things we've talked about recently, cyberpunk is less a specific fandom and more of a genre, which makes it a lot broader. We've talked outside of the podcast about doing an episode on anime, but that is very broad, and I think that's mm-hmm. comparable to the kind of broadness that cyberpunk is. Yeah, because, you know, you don't know that, like, someone watched this thing which has this tiny little cyberpunk <laughs> element in it and are cyberpunk fans, but that may not seem related. And, like, a lot of stuff is open to interpretation as to whether it's cyberpunk or not. People probably don't only watch cyberpunk movies or shows. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. I will, however, go through what I do have. Because I do have a bit of history, and I do have some interesting stuff I was able to dig up. So, uh, cyberpunk is a subgenre of science fiction. Uh, sometimes it's it's a stylistic choice, but usually it is that. It has its origins in the 1980s with authors like William Gibson, who wrote Neuromancer and and other things in that genre, Bruce Sterling, um, who wrote the Mirror Shades anthology. I think mm-hmm. I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, both of which wrote dystopian novels in the near future, exploring the themes of modern technology in everyday life, global communication, commerce, conflict, and invasive cybernetic body modifications. Um, mm. A quote that I have from an article on punk punk. It was, ta- it was talking about the various punks. And I think mm. cyberpunk actually predates steampunk, which is interesting. <laughs> um, I believe they're both credited to have been invented by the same person. Yeah, probably. Huh. William Gibson. <laughs> Uh, oh. So I have this quote, though, and it's uh, the heroes of these in dark and cynical stories were marginalized, disillusioned and rebellious punks striving for survival against overwhelming odds, often futilely in corrupt megacities and surreal cyberspace realms. Bruce Bethke called this cyberpunk and it was good. <laughs> of course, as the two of you discovered, as we were talking about before the show, there's no shortage of different definitions of cyberpunk. I have one other short one, which I saw repeated in many places, which was cyberpunk is a combination of low life and high tech. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Some examples of cyberpunk, if you didn't know it, uh, Blade Runner, Ghost in the Shell, Neuromancer, the Deus Ex games, uh, Bubblegum Crisis, Mm -hmm. Cowboy Bebop arguably takes place in a cyberpunk or post cyberpunk world, uh, Psychopaths, and uh, those are some of the examples Mm -hmm. I have. I... I did not manage to get a lot of other information in terms of fandom facts, but I did find this interesting article on io9 uh, called The Rise and Fall of Cyberpunk, which Mm. was probably written four or five years ago. And what they had done is they analyzed a bunch of different sources in terms of books and movies and when they were produced uh, to determine if cyberpunk is dead, but also when it was most active. And if you take a look at movies and books at the time, cyberpunk as a as a movement, as a genre, whatever you'd like to call it, was most active probably in the mid-90s from 1992 to 1995. There were some spikes a little bit before that, and then it tapers off pretty quickly into the 2000s mm. in their totally scientific uh, research efforts. Yes. Well. As, as, as is our totally scientific <laughs> research. Well, if they knew everything, that would be yeah. troubling. Yeah, they could be IO10 or IO, IO nobody, you know? I are nobody nothing. Anyway, that is what I managed to find. I did come across some terminology, but I think we'll probably talk about that as we as we go along. Mm-hmm. It's probably the shortest fandom facts we have had so far. <laughs> I hope it is the shortest one we ever have. Yeah, yeah. So, like, 
uh, you weren't able to turn up any numbers for the, for fan fiction. Uh, I mean, how do you? What would you say? Yeah, that's the problem. Cyberpunk, I guess. That's. I mean, I don't know if you can do it by genre. Okay, no. cool. I will. I will mm-hmm. look that up. Uh, just like if we do one on romance, which I'm sure has. <laughs> like it's it's not a it's almost a tag really. Yeah. That being said, I didn't actually look, and it's quite possible that that is a tag, and you could find that. <laughs> yeah, because. I mean, one of the reasons why I ask is, well, two reasons. One, it's neat having those fanfic numbers because even though they might just represent what people are interested in writing in or how many how many people who are fans of a thing are also so interested that they want to write about it, it also kind of relates to something that I, I found on the fan lore page for Cyberpunk, which was the fact that sometimes alternate universes are cyberpunk. So... We would like if you did look it up. There, there would be that problem of, you know, My Little Pony cyberpunk or um, Game of Thrones cyberpunk. It would be cyberpunk of different fandoms, but just that there would be those alternate universes and and whatnot. Fandoms being cyberpunked. Oh, yeah. I wasn't trying to make a pun or anything. I no, just... yeah. Just... I did a quick look on um, Archive of Our Own, just searching for the word cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. There are 652 results, hmm. and that includes things that have cyberpunk in the name. That includes there's a separate category for alternate universe cyberpunk. Yep. Oh. Uh, so not not a lot, no. and that's partly I think because cyberpunk is. Yeah, I don't know if this is part of the why or not, but maybe cyberpunk isn't a fandom per se. Mm. That's a loaded question to drop so early <laughs> in the episode. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed, folks. <laughs> Hate it. <laughs> Hate cyberpunk. It's garbage. Send your hate mail to G at the next cast. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) I can't send it to Z. He'd be all polite about it. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. We do not actually need to dive into the why just so quickly, but Mm -hmm. maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. We'll we'll find out once we get there. But first, I think we need to uh, address some famous last words. Oh, yes. So I have... The... I, I think I think mine should go last because I think it fits into the why a lot. Perfect. Mm, okay. All right. Yep. So Famous Last Words is our chance to eat our own words, I guess. No. Uh, we just some closing thoughts before we actually get into the research of this week's topic. So last week, we had a guest on our show, Matt, and uh, he had a question for us. And his question... Actually, it was kind of a weird question statement. And it was, <laughs> will Cyberpunk 2077 be the greatest game of all time? Period. End of discussion. I made sure to quote all that. <laughs> uh, Cyberpunk 2077, for those of you who do not know, is a game currently in development by the same studio that created The Witcher 3. Mm-hmm. And that is literally all I know about the game. CD Projekt Red. Okay, now I know that too. <laughs> it's a Polish game developer. Uh, giving you more mm. facts as we go. Um, <laughs> I, did look, I did look a little bit into the game. Um, not ne- not nearly enough to uh, discuss the question of whether or not it will be the greatest game of all time, because I feel like you'd need to go pretty pretty in depth. But what I did look at makes it seem like it is a game that both fans and developers uh, realize will take a long time to finish, because I uh, first happened across a fairly useful source on the uh, One Angry Gamer blog, and it was just little news article about the team looking for artists and programmers you know they wanted to get some new people in to uh to help supplement their numbers and bring up productivity and whatnot um but the the post ended strangely enough 
with Cyberpunk 2077 will be released when it's ready. And when I saw that, I was like, okay, I guess I guess fans are kind of sympathetic uh, to the plight of AAA game designers here and realize that big games with shiny graphics take a long time to make. Um, but then I, I checked out the trailer for Cyberpunk 2077, and the last words that you see on screen for this trailer come up in like this little uh, sort of Linux command line type font sort of at the bottom bottom left of the screen. Uh, and it says Cyberpunk 2077 will be released when it is ready. Isn't that what you just said? Yeah. Today? Yeah, but my point is that in the first place I saw it was on this fan blog where I just assumed it was the writer being clever. But it's actually like, I wouldn't say a tagline or a logline for the the game, but it's something that's like part of the the PR that they're putting out there. Okay. So it, it could be a great game if a lot of time being put into a game makes a game great. Well, I did some research into this question as well, Z. Okay, good. And uh, I determined that it will not be the greatest game of all time. Oh, what? what? It can't be, because Chrono Trigger is the greatest game of all time. Ooh. Period. End of discussion. Oh, man, oh, man. See, now now you can... See you at the next cast. What? No. You, <laughs> see, Send I was going to beat you to it, because like, you also like Chrono Trigger, so... Well, I don't know if I'd call it the greatest game of all time, but... Tales of Fantasia. Whoa, whoa. Tales whoa. of Fantasia. All right, guys, we need to <laughs> cool it a little bit. It's getting a bit too heated in here. Which you can find a gameplay of at uh, the youtube.com slash the next guest. Hey. That's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I did look into it a little bit. I couldn't find anything conclusive. That's a very broad statement. It sounds like it's going to be <laughs> kind of like Grand Theft Auto, but cyberpunk, which, I mean, that's yeah. cool enough for me, to be honest. Yeah. Z, yes. I don't, I don't know where this question came from, but <laughs> he asked, have the graphics that cyberpunks make improved since cyberpunks oh since the cyberpunks movie yeah i also wrote down not sure what this means since since the documentary released in 1990 yeah Uh, did you did you mean the graphics that people who use computers make no the well a part one part of the documentary was um was all about how cyberpunks these kids with these hackers kids both with zeds if you didn't, didn't notice um how they communicate and one of the ways that they communicate is via these uh these computer generated graphics which in the documentary look like you would expect early 90s i want to say small team to individual computer graphic designers you they're they're about as good as you'd expect them to be given the the uh the time the technology and probably the general sort of understanding even at a really advanced level of that technology but uh basically long story short Long answer short. Yes, it has proved. I kind of widened the net. So in 27 years of technology, <laughs> yeah, it's somehow the graphical capabilities of literally everyone improved. Yeah. I mean, to cite some examples offhand where that definitely would have come up and definitely graphics have gotten better, YouTube has a video filter where you can turn videos into ASCII art. Oh, cool. Like that was an April Fool's prank that was... <laughs> was maybe still is available also emoji that thing that came from japan with all the smiley faces is now part of the unicode standard which is like a typing thing uh program whatever it's in the code so that is also 
graphics in your terminals and stuff. So now, now seems like a silly question on its face. However, you're one step deeper. Z, why did you ask that question? What did you want to find oh, out? That's that's a better yeah. Well, I asked that question because I knew that the answer would be yes. Because I uh, I knew that since even the mid '90s, there's been a, a thriving digital art scene where uh, people are you know using using algorithms and, and that sort of thing to create like surreal landscapes, um, making their own gifts sometimes out of like photographs. In my searches, I came across a, a very informative article from the uh, online art journal Ignant, and in it, you know, there's somebody who has modeled for gifts and what yeah that's cool yeah and like there's just this whole thriving subculture of digital artists so i kind of knew the answer going into the question because i didn't really know uh what to ask about cyberpunk because what is cyberpunk my famous last words from last week were is cyberpunk still a thing or is it an aesthetic which i did get the answer to and i'm not going to bring up now (laughs) Because reasons. <laughs> Secret answer. Secret answer. Uh, G, your famous yes. last words were, how important is the punk to cyberpunk, politically, in 2017? And I believe this was probably sparked by earlier research that we had around steampunks, where the punk is actually quite important to steampunks. Mm-hmm. My most of my research was based around finding answer to this question. So what I got was a lot of... Um, kind of fan responses mm. to the idea of I don't know the the selling of cyberpunk or the the merchandising of cyberpunk or cyberpunk as an aesthetic versus the ethos of cyberpunk so i got a lot of manifesto type stuff in that cyberpunk has you know high tech low life it's always been about the lovable losers <laughs> cyberpunk and basically People fighting against technology, which is usually seen as, like, coming from those above you. Hmm. Often corporations. And I found a really good really good quote. The user, Stefan is of RPG.net. Hmm. But they said, Transhumanism is about how technology will eventually help us overcome the problems that have, up until now, been endemic to human nature. Cyberpunk is about how technology won't. Oh... Okay, that's a subtle difference there. But important. Yes. In the same way that punk, the musical movement, was a reaction to like the overblown arena rock and prog rock and stuff (laughs) of the 70s, cyberpunk was a reaction to like the utopian vision of the future, like Star Trek in 2001 and all the stuff that's like, oh, look how technology will solve all of our problems. And people are like, well, what about like the human stories are like, that's nice if you're rich in the future or whatever. (laughs) But like, what about people slumming it so if sci-fi is humans with technology then cyberpunk is humans versus technology so based on the discussion i saw the punk is important also another very important thing i want to bring up browsing through our cyberpunk just looking through what the threads are Mm -hmm. people are very vigilant about posting real news in there that's relevant to, to cyberpunk And it's like we could have floating ad spheres by 2019 (laughs) or like Russian combat unit rolling past a McDonald's facial recognition software is is catching up Coca-Cola using personalized ads that like scan your face or something in Japan. Wow. 
So I don't know if it's if it's you know from one side an awareness from another side a paranoia mm-hmm. about the increasing ability of technology, but that is a large part of it. Noticing what is happening around right now because like compared to what was being written in the 80s we're like in the future yeah like with all the stuff that we're able to do i mean obviously literally we're further along in time but like, oh yeah with like with everything that we're able to do phones etc cetera, etc cetera, that is happening yeah and you know all the nightmares not all the nightmares but all the <laughs> possibilities from various sci-fis like have come true in a lot of cases in the in the past few years <laughs> so seems like it is important and i have a little more on that subject but i'm going to save it for a little bit later in the episode okay Why? getting back to your earlier question g mm-hmm. which was how important is the bug to cyberpunk and you're you were kind of going along with yes it's very important um a lot of the research that i revealed was and this is possibly why cyberpunk is less of a thing is exactly what you mentioned it's because the stories described in cyberpunk stories are now so much closer to the present day than they ever were more than any other kind of, of story. Uh, when I was looking at TV tropes to learn more about cyberpunk, because again, it was hard to find a cohesive one spot for information on cyberpunk. It describes cyberpunk as being 30 seconds in the future. Mm, gotcha. Like it is, it's not the near future. It's not like 20 XDX or 1990 X. <laughs> it is, you know, literally just, just ahead. When you yeah. talk about transhumanism and in, in Deus Ex as an example, especially Deus Ex um, Human, the most human recent one, Human, human Revolution. Revolution. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're talking about uh, Jenkins. Man, I really need to do David Jens. David Jensen. That's his name. Yeah. Um, with, you know, cy- cyborg arms and, and whatnot. That mm-hmm. is the reality that we actually live in today. Not to the extent that's that, but we live in a world that has human exoskeletons we live in a world mm-hmm. where you can have cred chips if you want like a literal mm. chip that contains bitcoins which is some mm-hmm. some mysterious untraceable <laughs> that's not that's not how bitcoins work but that's not important yeah. um currency we do live in a, in a world where we have all that facial recognition mm-hmm. we live in cyberpunk a point that you made earlier talking about how cyberpunk kind of rose up as a as an alternative to the utopian ideas of the 50s mm-hmm. um when did star trek come out was it the late 60s so, yes yep okay so i mean cyberpunk still coming up as a as a retaliation to that kind of utopian movement but it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of one of the first examples of a dystopia and today um in real life and in fiction we already have plenty of examples of of that s- sort of dystopia mm-hmm. i mean every time i read the news and i'm wondering if we're literally in a cyberpunk story it's terrifying it's possible but i don't know if we can leave it (laughs) (laughs) i mean not in any pleasant way no c13 reasons why Mm. (laughs) it's got to be gritty come on if it's a cyberpunk world i mean come on actually um in my researches i found something that's that sort of speaks to that idea that um you know we are now living in a cyberpunk world but the sky is still blue and it's not, it's dystopian, but it's not like outwardly dystopian. And, um, but that's how all dystopias are. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, everything like, is fine. Go back to sleep. If you look at, if you look at the aesthetics or like the designs for things like, uh, cyberpunk 2020, the pen and paper RPG, all of the art depicts like this, this shining neon city of lights, basically think 
downtown Tokyo. And, you know, the sky is obscured by these super tall buildings and probably a bunch of smog from whatever mega corporation is doing whatever mega thing. Um, but I came across this, this blog that posted up a bunch of quotes from a panel at Worldcon 2016 called, Is Cyberpunk Still a Thing? And on this panel, um, a uh, gentleman by the name of Matt Jacobson made the point that cyberpunk has today been taken over by tech noir. Mm. Okay. All right. What's what's the distinction there? He doesn't go into detail, or rather the blogger doesn't provide any more detail. But to me, that distinction is that, like, on the one hand, you have cyberpunk, which, as we've been saying, is about rebelling against these mega corporations like people versus technology. Whereas tech noir, my interpretation of it is that it is like a gritty, dark reality where you can't really trust anything except for yourself and your technology. The blogger goes on to use the examples of Mr. Robot and Person of Interest, two shows that I have a vague awareness of, but that's about it. Okay, having those as examples and knowing what I know about Mr. Robot having not seen it, I can Mm -hmm. kind of get the uh i can kind of understand that because mr robot uh most of the things that you see happening in the show in terms Mm -hmm. of like hacking and things like that are how things kind of work today okay so i can understand why that's tech noir because it's using technology and using like the noir kinds of themes Mm -hmm. but not um not being high tech low life i guess yeah yeah there's still a sense that the people using the tech could be midlife or high life i guess Hmm. so to speak i mean as is the world today they probably are yes like it's not that there aren't hackers who are in dire straits but i would like that's Mm -hmm. certainly how they're depicted today when i when i think of cyberpunk i often think of people using very analog kinds of means Hmm. to Mm -hmm. um to conduct all the cyberpunky business well it's much more flash than like typing on a screen or something yeah yeah much more flash than underscore dogs or whatever that game is. Watchdogs? What? Yeah, watch underscore dogs. That's the one. <laughs> it's pronounced watchdogs. There's there's the underscore there though. It's not just his face. Oh. Cool. <laughs> cool. Uh, man, I already <laughs> lost my train of thought. <laughs> you boy. That'll happen. Oh, was it? Watch underscore dogs. Man, that's stuck in my head now. <laughs> For no good reason. <laughs> Techor had something to do with Techor. Oh, right. So when I was doing my research and I was trying to figure out why people are fans of steampunk, mm-hmm. which was hard because, again, that's not or why people are fans of cyberpunk, which was hard because cyberpunk is less cohesive than some of the other fandoms we've covered. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in what we thought of steampunk, episode nine of Anthropological. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you commit that to memory, or is that just... I happen to know that. Okay. Must be that brain implant. That's right. Nothing will ever go wrong with it. (laughs) Nope, nothing. When I was doing the research on why people are fans of cyberpunk, one of the things that came up for the reasons, aside from the aesthetic, which is unfortunate because the aesthetic came up a lot, Mm -hmm. was this kind of political agenda that are described more as being tech noir. Um, And I, I don't have any other similar political view to kind of compare it to but i think of tech noir more as like digital libertarianism mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where it's like yes. 
it's like, oh, you got hacked or something. It's like, well, you clearly should have had a better grasp of the technology that you use so you didn't get hacked. <laughs> Can't wait to get that response from IT. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, I, I don't know what cyberpunk falls in in that kind of situation, but like I definitely got that kind of digital libertarian vibe where everybody is responsible for their own situation as far mm-hmm. as technology goes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was really interesting because it was a it was a kind of an ethos that I could really relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. There was there was a lot about being anti-consumer. I, I'll, I'll see if mm-hmm. I can find the article or mention it, but um, yeah, it was not about being prescriptive about things but being it was kind of your what's the word i'm looking for outsiders no outcasts it was more of that mm-hmm. but like manifesto i'll see if i can pull it up yeah. while we're talking about stuff it was in a really weird website <laughs> <laughs> if you can use that little bit that you did say to go for um, it about being anti- anti-consumer it makes a lot of sense within like the immediate context of the story because when you look at any depiction of cyberpunk anything in in any visual media What's the first thing you see? Some big corporate megacorp. Wayland Ads. Ads, yes. Ads everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like absolutely everywhere in your vision. Multiple ads. And that's like a staple. Yeah. And that's possible because it's based on um, parts of Japan and Hong Kong. Yeah. It has a lot of influence on cyberpunk aesthetic. Yeah. I think at one point in uh, in Neuromancer or in, in one of his writings on cyberpunk, uh, William Gibson goes into some depth about like the the Tokyo ad space, like the famous part of Tokyo with all of the neon advertisements everywhere all over the buildings. Mm-hmm. And that's like become integrated into the aesthetic to a, a major degree. I mean, there's a good reason for that, but let's let you continue. Yeah. Mumur Oshi based the landscape of Scoes in the Shell on Hong Kong. Newport City. Hmm. Newport City. Ridley Scott said... Blade Runner was supposed to be Hong Kong on a very bad day. Not literally Hong Kong, but like <laughs> the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And it's like the idea was it's overstimulation to the point that no person should be able to handle. I mean, we have a slightly subtler version of it now, <laughs> but they're still creeping around. Everyone's like, how many, like, we see a dizzying amount of ads a day. Yeah. But uh, not, they're not always bright and flashing in our faces. No. But it's like people becoming inured to overstimulation. Yeah. Which we very much are. Anyway, T, did you find your... Oh, I found... I, I was listening. I, I was enjoying the the way the conversation was going. I did find the thing that I was looking for, but uh, I was just going to mention. Mm-hmm. What I found interesting doing the research as well was why cyberpunk is an aesthetic. And I would argue that largely it is now more of an aesthetic than it is a genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of the reason that cyberpunk aesthetic is very like asian influenced is partly because a lot of those areas have rapidly i don't want to say industrialized that's not the right word but they've rapidly like developed into high density cities Mm -hmm. yeah japan had like a major the boom stimulus yeah Yeah. and so as a result of that they went from being i don't want to say unmodern but going from one particular way of life to like a very high tech kind of way very rapidly a rapid industrialization And areas of China have seen that as well in the urban areas. Uh, Interestingly enough, cyberpunk stories, you probably have some indication of when they've been told based on which kind of place they describe things more like. If it's more like Japan, it's probably towards the 80s when Japan Mm -hmm. was in its like high tech manufacturing boom. Mm -hmm. But the further out in time you get, the more likely they are to describe China. Mm -hmm. Because right now, like China is kind of the big global juggernaut i guess that's the word i'm looking for 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, you know, you, you point your eyes towards the future. You think high density because you think high population. Yes. Right now it's those places have high density, but before long it's everyone. Yeah. So I found this article called why cyberpunk, which is written in the strangest spot. It's on cd.textfiles.com. Wow. One of the threads I found was on Goodreads. Huh, nice. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, but it's like an old, probably early web HTML page. It's mm-hmm. a long read. I'll just cut through some of the manifesto-ish kind of parts towards the end, which is saying things like, we're not forcing a way of, of life on anyone. We do not ask you to shave your heads. We do not ask <laughs> you to give up meat. We don't ask you to worship a leader. We don't care what kind of music you listen to. We do ask that you're willing to hear, to learn, to see what is happening around you. We ask that you voice yourself and be brave enough to act when push comes to shove. There are some earlier mentions talking about uh, cyberpunk isn't a hacker underground and cyberpunk, all cyberpunks agree that power is knowledge. And what was interesting as I read this is, and maybe it's why cyberpunk isn't a thing anymore. Maybe it's because the real world is cyberpunk now, which is so gosh darn great. But a lot of what I was reading into that is just the ethos that a lot of people have today. Like the, uh, I can't even believe that this is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like meetup.com has had this thing called the resistance, which is people trying to resist yeah. and make the world a better place. But that the ethos of that group is not so dissimilar from cyberpunks, which mm-hmm. is today. Cyberpunk is an aesthetic because the real world is horrifying. Ah, man, it feels like we've been circling around this. So got to get it out there. From that same article that summarized that uh, panel from Worldcon 2016, which was moderated by none other than Corey Doctorow, if uh, hey. you're familiar. Mm-hmm. Yep, sci-fi writer, um, written a few works that I think you could probably classify as cyberpunk to some degree. And the way he laid it out was that cyberpunk has three layers. And the first layer was non-computer professionals writing about tech. The second layer was current tech and near future extrapolations. And then the third layer, which I guess he means is now, is the aesthetic. Hmm. And I think what's most important about that summary is that the first wave, the first layer of cyberpunk was not written from the perspective of people who like were were tech heads who knew the ins and outs of computers of the 80s, but they were just written by people who saw this technology and were like, oh man, the future is going to be going to be so crazy with all this technology. But they themselves were either, you know, just getting by with whatever worked or kind of, kind of, well, I don't want to say computer illiterate, but like not all that familiar. In that documentary um, from 1990, Cyberpunks, William Gibson shares that when he was writing Neuromancer, he was actually writing it on a typewriter. Huh. And he, like at the time, he had only recently gotten his first Mac. And then he's also, he also shared the story of uh, how he went to a, a signing or he was at a signing rather, and uh, some people who looked like they were, you know, leather-clad bikers with mohawks rolled up, and you know they met him and they were like, "You're you're William, you're William Gibson, like what?" But but like you, you don't look punk or you don't look all all techno techno technophiliac or anything like that, like tacked out, out, and they were super disappointed because he was just some regular dude. I mean, have you met Stephen King? Like, not actually. But... <laughs> yeah, he's just like like a guy. Yeah. He's not Vincent Price. <laughs> <laughs> Vincent no. Price lives the gimmick. 
Going off of that, Z, what I found mm-hmm. interesting, though, was that cyberpunks, both, like, in, like, protagonists of cyberpunk stories and, like, fans of the genre, yep. are not Luddites. No. While it is, you know, humans versus technology, it's not really anti-technology. It's about the spirit behind it, right? It's yeah. about, you know, people going too far with technology. Yeah, it's it's humans versus technology, but it's still humans using technology against other technology. Yeah, a really good example of that is probably any of the Ghost in the Shell, like either the TV series or the movies or the manga or whatnot, because you mm-hmm. have a, a world where you're you're not dealing with like high tech low life because you're dealing with um, members of Section Nine who are like secret ops in Japan, but you are dealing with mm-hmm. all the problems of transhumanism and like shady things going on on the down low with mega corporations. You've got like people being ghost hacked, where since your brain is connected to the internet. People can, like, mm-hmm. literally hack into you to the point where you don't even know what happened, where you're oh, convinced yeah. it was you. And you have stories about people's consciousness, like, floating across the vastness of the web. And you get all sorts of stories of what it means to be human, which I think is is probably probably more transhuman, but it's definitely got a cyberpunk kind of kind of vibe to it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it seems like the, the there's a spine running through all of cyberpunk that's, like, wither humanity yeah right like what is humanity is it is it this piece that we've replaced with machines or is it this place that we've replaced with machines like where do you lose it mm-hmm. i mean that's certainly the only experience i've had with the ghost and shell is seeing the recent movie that's an approximation but i feel like it, it tells a similar story yeah. and that was almost entirely about what is like what does it mean to be human yeah and it's always the the life that's being controlled technologically by a corporation usually Mm-hmm. has used it to take away a piece of humanity that's too far that usually the reader or watcher or listener has recognized that that is too far yeah so the fight begins yeah the resistance begins and so on yeah so like that's at the heart of everything but at the same time there's a lot of like well this isn't humanity so that's fine like sweet <laughs> robot arm <laughs> sure <laughs> always bringing it back to the things that matter yeah that's right Oh, man. Various substitute for eyes that are actually better than eyes just look less human? Sure. That's literally but Oh, you're just talking about Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I thought about Jordy too, but that's not a cyberpunk situation. No, he's wearing a visor. Yeah. yeah. Kind of getting back to the appeal, I did find a few things. I mean, as much as, it, as, much as cyberpunk today, I think, is absolutely an aesthetic rather than a, a strict genre of, uh, of this or that. Like it's it's just this big general thing, but well, I think and I was able to find some of the uh, reasons behind the appeal um, on Reddit in a thread. Why do you like cyberpunk? Cutting right to the quick, uh, user Starseer said the appeal of cyberpunk is mostly the idea of an unbreakable link between man and his technology when everything else is untrustworthy. Ooh. Oh, that was the same thing I read. I did not buy that. <laughs> That well, does that's that that does not seem cyber, very cyberpunk to be like <laughs> permanently bonded to technology. <laughs> well, hmm. but like, and none of the examples of cyberpunk that I came across. I mean, I've never, unfortunately, I've never read Neuromancer, which is kind of like the the touchstone text, like the thing to read if you want to read a cyberpunk story. I'd say Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep would be up oh, there as well. Yeah, that's that's actually kind of what kicked it off, and then Neuromancer just solidified a bunch of bunch of elements. Yeah. 
Um, but having only experienced Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep through the movie of Blade Runner, there is this, this anti-tech feel, but I mean, people are still using technology. It's not like the people in, in Blade Runner, for example, who are hunting down rogue droids or like fighting them with with boxing skills or kung fu or something, you know? Yeah. Maybe that's going a little far in stretching the definition of technology to make it fit. Like, uh, But people are using tech to fight tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as I said before, it's not like they're Luddites. No. It's like they're not anti-technology. They're just technology is being used wrong. And then yeah. that has a lot of, are the replicants, are they people? Yeah. Like, should they be persecuted like this if they feel the same way that people do? Yeah. If anything, it seems more like the the stress with cyberpunk rather than with transhumanism. And maybe this maybe this is another difference. Is that with cyberpunk, it's more about the individual. Mm, yeah. And it's more about, like, one person taking technology that they have mastered, that they have taken apart and, like, learned the ins and outs of, much like steampunk, and then using that to rebel more or less by themselves. Whereas with transhumanism, it's more about how technology can help everybody. Yeah. And in cyberpunk, knowledge is king. Yeah. If you know more about, about X than the yeah. other person, then you win. Yeah. I'm guessing that's probably how a lot of the, the megacorps are brought down. Some mm-hmm. some outcast outsider person just knows the technology way better than all of that megacorps engineers, and they can just take it out from the inside kind of thing. Chain Smith mm-hmm. was an ex-employee from Megacorp. No. <laughs> Tried to just live a... Holy crap, I just realized how many stories are actually like that. I've been reading... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been reading a story called Dimension W, mm-hmm. which is a manga, and it's about this guy who's a Luddite who lives in a high-tech world where energy is free, but it's all owned by okay. New Tesla Co. Ooh. or something. Anyway, but he's like involved with New Tesla Co. from the past. Like, in his past, but he got burned. And I was just like, there's a lot of stories like that. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's appealing, right? I mean, in the cyberpunk present of ours, we are all part of some megacorp or other, aren't we? Read those license agreements, uh, fellows. Oh, my God. had something completely different to ask but you know what that is just so ridiculous it's not it's such a good mood going too oh man well if i have the sword i think i'd probably be called mood killer yeah i mean probably (laughs) where where's dispute that guys i'm gonna ask the real questions though yeah yeah okay where is rural cyberpunk Hmm. huh uh interstellar is that really Uh, if it's cyberpunk then yes Maybe maybe the uh, farm world arc of Adventure Time. I don't know about. That. He's got a robot arm. Yeah. <laughs> um, Interstellar has a big question about whether you want to call it cyberpunk or not. But mm. um, I'd probably argue not. Technology wasn't really the focus of that story. No, that's more just mm. like a hard sci-fi kind of movie. Yeah. That was an interesting thing I came across, which I hadn't mentioned, which is mostly just a, a weird little addendum. Mm. Uh, I came across Moe's scale of sci-fi hardness. <laughs> oh, <wow>. Okay. <laughs> the interesting thing about cyberpunk is that it usually falls on about four or five, where five is just real life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, because cyberpunk is not that 
far off from where we are at. Mm-hmm. Cyberpunk is supposed to be like, like in the in the spirit of dystopia, is like this could be us, you guys. <laughs> I think that's that's the point of a lot of cyberpunk. It's like yeah. if the human will is just allowed by this technology to go that much further, then this is going to be us. This is going to happen to us. Yeah. And guess what? It did. If that's the case, though, I mean, would something like the Cybermen from Doctor Who be cyberpunk? Uh, because they're basically like super uh, robotically modified humans. That's not the important part, though. No. Having cyborgs is not a key component of cyberpunk. No. It should not be a key component of the Justice League either. <laughs> Ooh. Man, this episode is full of controversial opinions. Oh, man, oh, man. oh yeah. Sorry, cyborg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I think that cyberpunk, one of the key parts is that, that that kind of information becomes the currency. That kind of theme is is really important. And what we've been saying before about like what does it mean to be human kind of the intersection of those two ideas comes up a lot Mm -hmm. because it's like if you knew that you were human that's like the perfect perfect (laughs) if you knew more about being human than anyone else (laughs) no but it's it's true because like even in these stories that are set in the near future in the far future we never really understand what it means to be human no like i robot we have robots approaching sentience but we don't even know what sentience means Mm -hmm. and it comes down to that human in a Awful dystopia. Here comes Ray Kurzweil. Singularity guy? Is he Singularity guy? Uh, I guess so. I know he wrote The Age of Spiritual Machines, which influenced the uh, Our Lady Peace album of the same name. Hmm. And it talks about, you know, machines demanding rights and things like that. Yeah, I think it's. I think that's the same guy. Okay. I guess he's not as much of a punk, though. Because <laughs> he didn't come up in my research. Nope. No, he's probably, on, again, the... transhumanism. Yeah. One of the things that uh, that is sort of deduced from my research was that you know we've talked about steampunk before episode nine of anthropological mm-hmm. um and you know you can kind of sum up steampunk as a revolution from the past mm-hmm. along similar lines i would argue that you could summarize cyberpunk as revolution in the present from the future the problem with that though is that the future is always changing now i'm gonna throw this out there much in the way that steampunk is steampunk because it borrows on that Let's say just aesthetically. Yeah. Putting the putting the political part aside. Yeah. Steampunk, you know, relies on its imagery of um, Victoriana. Yeah. Do you think that for the cyberpunk aesthetic to be a cyberpunk aesthetic, it has to retain its 80s-ness? It's neon and it's chrome and uh, it's bright colors. I don't think so. One of the things that I came across was people kind of describing Star Wars almost as being cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. and star mm-hmm. wars does not have like an 80s feel i wonder why that would be um <laughs> and much in the way that steam steampunk elements everything has a purpose and it's not there for ironically that it's not just gears for the sake of being gears the gears all mean <laughs> something because they they drive something mm-hmm. i think that similarly the steampunk aesthetic doesn't have to follow the 80s because it's all about especially as you enter this more importance of like a cyber virtual world hacking and etc the real life doesn't have to be look like the 80s it just looks more utilitarian mm-hmm. it celebrates functionality yeah i mean that's why mm-hmm. every surface in blade runner or ghost in the shell is an ad <laughs> yeah it's like why would you have an unadorned wall when you can put an ad there <laughs> i that's true i there was a company in town that i remember when i was looking for work it's like hey what if we could put ads on like 
you know, the uh, like escalators on the railing. I was like, why do you want to bring <laughs> us to that point? I don't want ads everywhere. <laughs> we could be the first people to do it. I'm sure, I'm sure someone's done. No, definitely. Oh, yeah. But like, why is that a thing that anybody wants? <laughs> it's like, cause that makes us money. It's like, right. But then that just gets into the more cyberpunk that's... dystopian consumerist. I sound oh, yeah. really crazy when I say that, but that's, I do that's, mean it. That's, that's cuts to the quick yep. questions like that. That's the, the human, um, the human element. Yeah. That drives the whole thing. Yeah, that human element is important, but I mean, maybe my experience with cyberpunk is just way too underdeveloped. But to me, it's got to have that that 90s aesthetic. And I kind of think that's part of the appeal. I kind of think that people who are excited for, for example, cyberpunk 2077, I think a part of that excitement comes from like a nostalgia for maybe a time when technology had like this cool gritty promise or at least like a nostalgia for for the cyberpunk imagery of the 90s hmm. and what it stood for both the old deus ex and the new deus ex as an example of a cyberpunk kind of idea don't hmm. have like a 90s aesthetic they have a very modern futuristic kind of aesthetic like with blue skies and clean air and stuff well clean air but like most of the game takes place at all the game takes place at night but i mean like hmm. when you take a look at the technology it's it's more modern than it is 90s more sleek than analog looking you mean yeah definitely lots of like floating screens and stuff hmm. let me just throw this out there have you guys both seen her i haven't i heard yes. good things though would you describe that as a cyberpunk story it definitely qualifies as under the whole uh you know what does it mean to be human thing mm -hmm. because that's that is a huge part of that movie mm -hmm. it's yeah because of that i think i I think I would, but like then it kind of becomes a little bit more, the movie becomes a little bit more interesting because I guess minor spoilers, you've got this, this computer that for all intents and purposes kind of does become superhuman, but then at the same time you're reminded really shockingly that it's not a human at all. It's a machine. Yeah. And then that kind of throws into question how great can humans be if we can sort of be contained in the machines that we make? Yeah. I was just like flipping through my Rolodex of of cyberpunk movies hmm. <laughs> just thought of that one I thought, ah. yeah as far as aesthetics go that's definitely a much more modern aesthetic oh yeah except uh high-waisted pants haven't cut on yet ah. oh yeah <laughs> that was so weird yeah and no belt right no no belt i think they had like a single suspender or something what it was so weird it, it, so it was weird. a strange fashion choice but the future I'll see you in the future where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I do not want to spend the rest of my life on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. Speak for, speak for yourself. That's why <laughs> I'm going to jack out, jack in, disconnect from the terminal, whatever, and transition into the fans of the week. I managed to find a couple of interesting fans of the week, mostly some mm -hmm. stuff on Twitter. Uh, and a photo from Instagram, which is hilarious. Mm. It's a picture with which, without any context, you would possibly say it's in some sort of cyberpunk dystopia. Nope, it's just New York City. <laughs> uh, That's the best. There's another one I found, which you know translates fantastically to the audio medium because it's mm -hmm. a GIF. <laughs> uh, but it's basically just a bit of uh, an episode of Cowboy Bebop. Oh yeah. Uh, it mm. says that. Twitter post just says cyberpunk Skype 
and it's I'm the data dog responding to a call over a old looking television, like old looking uh, retro style computer talking to Faye Valdine. I was about to say Cyberpunk doesn't necessarily work in space, but uh, Elysium kind of had that. Hmm. Oh, I've seen Elysium, uh, yeah, maybe. which I def I definitely say is a cyberpunk story. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. But on the whole, cyberpunks are generally not found in space. I think that's because it it gets too much into the utopia kind of bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's much easier to say, oh, we never made it to space because we're too greedy on Earth. <laughs> yes. But I but I imagine greedy in space would work, which is what happens sure. in Elysium. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, Mars is really some sort of terrible place to go where everybody dies. But you can win a lottery to go to Mars. Ooh. What? Uh, the other fan I, of the week. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. No. Oh, I, that, uh, that I, Schwarzenegger movie. Oh. Get your ass to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I wasn't actually thinking of... I can't remember the name. Total Recall. I wasn't even thinking of Total Recall when you brought that up. Uh, the other fan of the week was just uh, this one person, El Scrumpo, on Twitter, who said, we live in a cyberpunk dystopia, except everything is boring and the cars don't even fly. <laughs> uh, and then there's a picture which is a headline from some news outlet which says creepy pizza sign is caught using a hidden camera to scan customers <laughs> that was posted on uh, our cyberpunk <laughs> <laughs> and then for any other fan of the week just refer to uh, the new york times and talking about uh, america uh, something like yeah. that yeah. um you just reminded me of another quote it's it's william gibson the the founder of cyberpunk but he can he can be a fan of the week um this is one, the one that I had. I just thought of this now. Mm-hmm. The future is already here. It's just not very evenly distributed. Ooh. Yeah. That's spot on. Mm-hmm. Right there. Right there. But my fan of the week comes from a very interesting thread that I found on our cyberpunk called You're a Punk Living in a High-Tech Dystopian City. What's in your pockets? So we have my cell phone is wrapped in a small Faraday cage. Other than that, normal stuff like a wallet, keys with an encrypted USB stick. $8.50, a stick of gum, and an old cell phone that doesn't spy on me. <laughs> uh, ceramic polymer knife, smartphone with burn routers and SIM, some form of hard currency, and a baggie of basic necessities. In case I can't retrieve my duffel before skipping town, a paper trail of purchases would be a bad idea. A <laughs> uh, small box of over-the-counter happy pills, a burner phone, a couple used neural chips that can be sold in the black market. Um, a smartphone put together from parts sourced in the electronics gray market with a custom OS and encryption. You're seeing a pattern. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) But the fan of the week goes to uh, Grimoire Girl, who starts off her post by saying, I feel like the main difference between now and a cyberpunk dystopia is that I'll finally have enough pockets and not have to carry all my shit in a handbag. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Perfect. In as much as this week was very difficult to try to suss out what it is about the fandom and i don't know that we ever got to it we we kind of kind of broadly described cyberpunk i did really enjoy doing the research it was a lot of fun this week mm-hmm. i feel like it's something that we've all uh, taken in a bit of definitely like regardless of whether we went out of our way to be like let's see a cyberpunk thing or or whatever mm-hmm. like we've like like we've all we've all had some you know absorbed some sort of cyberpunk media yeah at some point so that was that was kind of nice yeah all right, here we are. In or out. In or out. Z, are you in or out? I am. 
kind of in. What? No. Boo. It's <laughs> a Boolean operation. I am License in. License revoked. I am in. Once you're in, there's no getting out. In so far. FYI. Oh, no. I'm contractually obliged to stay in. <laughs> I'm in insofar as I want to uh, I want to read Neuromancer. And even though it sounds like a... Like it's it's being criticized as jumping the shark is uh, fairly justified. I want to check out Snow Crash too. Mm. Snow Crash being Neil Stevenson's novel, where he tries to like tie all sorts of bits of human history and archaeology and philosophy and all sorts of things into cyberpunk by uh, somehow creating a story wherein human language is a computer code of some kind. Yeah, a lot of people said sir. Like in my research, that snow crashes where cyberpunk jumped the shark. Mm-hmm. I believe what Bruce Bethke, yep, wrote like a parody of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, it, it won award an award. Yeah, head crash. Yeah, <clears throat> he does not write light books. <laughs> I've read part of Anathem, which is about religion based around math. Jeez, it was interesting, but it's mm-hmm. like. I've left it too long. I have to, I have to start from the beginning, which is not uh, a light task. Mm-hmm. He writes very dense books, but uh, Snowcrash is supposed to be good. Yeah. And transmission. Yeah. Ooh. What about what about yourself, G? I have to say that uh, that I am in a good <laughs> a good litmus test is how excited I get about about the thing doing the research for the thing. Mm-hmm. That's got me pretty into like yeah, I gotta watch. Blade Runner again. I'll, I have <laughs> the little box set I, I, I found at uh, then used uh, used store of like all the versions of Blade Runner. <laughs> oh, all oh, the wow. different directors' cuts. Of yeah, the releases. Yeah. And... Jeez. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I gotta watch, watch all those. I gotta. I've I've seen the Ghost in the Shell movie. I gotta, you know, mm-hmm. check out the other versions of Ghost in the Shell. I gotta. I am also interested in reading Snow Crash, but also Neuromancer and some shorter things. <laughs> I'm interested in checking out the cyberpunk role-playing game. Um, I'm also interested in Android Netrunner. I'm surprised that Shadowrun didn't come up. Oh, Mm. man. Because Shadowrun is kind of a cyberpunk game. It also has magic, which I don't think precludes Mm -hmm. it from being cyberpunk. It's definitely like punks up against the megacorps. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, what if D&D was cyberpunk? (laughs) You know, but I, I like the, uh, you know, I often like the aesthetic. I like the, you know, the wither humanity question or the, you know, the philosophy that's often behind cyberpunk. Yeah. I even like when a movie just like, it looks a little bit cyberpunk. Ah. is not even. <laughs> I'll Star Wars. Be honest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure. I like, I like all that stuff. Just like little stuff that's a little different to today or <laughs> back then a lot different to today. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm. The fan, I like it. I uh, like it a lot. I don't know if I have the requisite paranoia <laughs> to, to fully integrate to the fandom, but uh, but I'm definitely I'll definitely be on the lookout to consume more cyberpunk media and to see what people are doing with the genre like right now. Yeah, how it changes from from the '80s prediction of the future. Yeah. What about you, T? I'm dim. I'm like, there's no. <laughs> <laughs> when I was reading through some of the things. Um, Admittedly, they were mostly anime, but uh, when I was looking at some of the things that often qualify as cyberpunk or post-cyberpunk, I was like, yeah, I love this. Ghost in the <laughs> yeah, Shell, all over it. 
I want to watch Psychopaths. I haven't watched Psychopaths. Oh, that one was on Netflix. And I've heard really good things. It's Mm. short. I think it's one or two seasons, but each one is maybe 12, 24 episodes (laughs) tops. That's fine. Yep. Um, (laughs) It's kind of like Ghost in the Shell in that there is a story that's threaded through the entire season. But for the Mm -hmm. most part, you're watching a bunch of short cases of people in like a semi-dystopian kind of world. Kind of like Minority Report, but not entirely. Okay. Uh, It was good. I enjoyed it. Um, And you've got somebody who's kind of like an outsider who gets thrown into it and then is like getting acquainted with this world. So you're learning the dystopian world as as they are Mm -hmm. because they're like a new recruit or something like that. (laughs) Um, It was good. If you want to watch that when you come over, we should watch some of that. Or Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> I haven't seen that in forever. Let's watch Ghost in the Shell. Hey, I think that's yeah. a great idea. Oh, cool. Cool. Good job. I'm uh, a cyberpunk party. Yeah, uh, I'm yeah, in. Scarlett Johansson voices the major in that one too, right? That'd probably be really good, actually. <laughs> Although I'm pretty accustomed to the, the English voice actor. I'm in. I am in. In, in, in. I should probably find more examples of cyberpunk that aren't just anime, but I... I like those. Ex- Anime like cyberpunk a lot. Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, is this the first time since we've created the internet segment that we've all been in? Probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, what have we covered? We got Doctor Who. That was not. No, <laughs> the answer is just no, because I can think of at least one occasion where I said on most of occasions I've said no. Yeah. So probably, probably that. Sadly, we were all out on one before we were all in a, in on one. Yeah. Well, we put our right foot at, no dang no <laughs> you go out before you go in gotta get, gotta out, get, to get, get in. out to get out i think this is the perfect time <laughs> to uh transition to this week's spotlight 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 is the part of the show where we highlight a good cause or just something really cool related to the fandom that we covered sometimes it doesn't cover the fandom but it's just a cool thing we want to shine the spotlight on. This week, uh, we have two spotlights. First one being what I think is probably the most cyberpunk thing that exists that isn't awful. <laughs> and I, I don't mean that because cyberpunk is awful. I mean, it's not really a dystopian thing. It's fighting the dystopia. It is the resistance, kind of, sort of. Ah, I'm not yeah. sure. Uh, the Electronic Frontier Foundation. So they do a whole load of different things. Uh, they are a not-for-profit, but they do things such as fighting for net neutrality, freedom of speech, anonymity, bloggers' rights, fair use, all that kind of umbrella of things. They do so many different things. You often see them partnering with um, the Humble Bundle or what else? Probably mentioned on like John Oliver and things like that. I can't remember offhand, mm-hmm. but they're a fantastic organization. Corey Doctorow might be part of I often see those two groups mentioned together, Cory Doctorow and the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Anyway, if you want to check that out and donate to them, which would be even better, you can go to uh, EFF.org, or specifically you can go to supporters.EFF.org slash donate if you want to donate. Uh, but definitely just check that out. It's a really cool organization, and they do good stuff. The other spotlight for this week is, because we mentioned the greatest game of all time, <laughs> It is The Race Against Time, which you can check out at raceagainsttime.io. This is the third year of our annual charity live stream where we play through Chrono Trigger to raise money for the Alzheimer's Society of Canada. Um, we are going to go through the game, get its various endings, entertain people through karaoke, uh, probably some giveaways, all sorts of stuff. 
that event is going to be on august 12th to august 13th it's probably gonna be 24 hours who knows we're gonna start playing on the 12th <laughs> and keep playing until we beat that game <laughs> uh, 12 times I think I wrote 14 on the poster, but maybe it's oh, 13, man. but maybe it's 12. I don't know. I counted well, beat it 14 times for fun. <laughs> I yeah. counted the bad ending, yeah. so. Uh, okay. If you don't want to check out the website, but you do want to be notified when the event goes live, you can check out twitch.tv slash the race against time, which is where the event will be hosted. You can also check us out on iTunes, where we would love it if you'd give us a rating or review for the show. Every rating or review helps us get seen and heard by more people, and we'd like to get more people involved in the Fanthropological family. So please head over to iTunes and do that. You can find us on various webs. <laughs> YouTube, <laughs> YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at the NixCast. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more of it, or you want to see different coverage of conventions or Let's Plays or whatnot, you can check out patreon.com slash the next cast. You can become a patron of the next cast. If you become a patron of the next cast, you can find out all the behind the scenes stuff going on, what's coming up, just generally be in tune with everything that we do, and you're supporting a good cause. Even as little as a dollar a month is a huge help to us, and we really appreciate it. So be sure to check that out, patreon.com slash the next cast. And if you'd like to join in the conversation on Twitter, be sure to use that hashtag hashtag fanthro that's hashtag f-a-n-t-h-r-o all right and now it's time for probably arguably my favorite part of the show i've, I've heard it's g's favorite part of the show it's famous last words famous last words that's right this is our chance to really screw things up and say something stupid about next week's topic we don't have to but sometimes it happens Next week, we will be talking about cinephiles, that is, fans of movies. Mm-hmm. This uh, this is your chance to either ask a question or just make a statement about cinephiles. Going to point the cannon at Z. I'm going to say that cinephiles really love the cinema. And as a result, much like people who go see, I don't know, uh, as an example, uh, Wagner's Ring Cycle, the very lengthy opera they'll go go to see the opera and they'll bring all kinds of like full-on meals with them because it's such a long opera that uh at least somewhere at least once a year there is a movie marathon where people are encouraged to bring several course dinners with them and it's touted as a cinephile's paradise that last condition may really screw you over well, we'll see. Okay. Gotta make my words famous. Yeah, those are those are some big words you're talking this week. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll go to G. G, you're up. Okay. okay. Um, is it important for cinephiles to see movies in the theater? Ooh. Yes. Hey. <laughs> oh, no. I just remembered a conversation that I'd had once before. <laughs> Something about waiting being important to seeing a movie or some other garbage. Oh, I can't wait to get into it. Uh, Oh, boy. Oh, I forgot that next week we have a special guest. That's right. Maybe I'll have some backup. I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Once again, hashtag teaching the controversy. Mm -hmm. This is what I had to say. These are my famous last words. Are cinephiles really a fandom? Isn't that just a pretentious title for people who watch movies? Where's the culture? <laughs> a shared experience and unique terminology. 
I am already eating my words. I've already preheated them in the oven. <laughs> so the answer to your question will be our episode. Sounds oh, sounds great. <laughs> How meta. I mean, I wanted something that wasn't just our episode, but I'm really <laughs> curious. Much like you were asking if you have to watch movies in the theater to be a cinephile. Mm-hmm. Is it really a thing or is it just like a word we made up for people who go watch movies? What is it? Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, I guess... I guess that's the last segment, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, that's it. It's not the famous last but one words. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Although I did write down a few. Some guy said cyberpunk is a bunch of guys getting all decked out and going into some virtual orgy. I don't know. Whatever. Hey, it's me, Joey, from Game. Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, cyberpunk. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! is a cyberpunk show, sure. I'll give you 30 seconds before it becomes Woody Allen. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> ah, they asked me to write a cyberpunk movie in New York. But, uh I don't, I don't know the first thing about cybering. I went on to a chat room once and uh, I, everyone else just left. <laughs> I was prepared for what you were going to say to not be funny, but to find my expectations. Now, take me back to Riverdale. If we did an episode on... I don't know if I want to do a cold open, like a, a weird cold open or not. I don't, I don't know what you would do. Yeah. Mm. Grab your... Yes. Grab your implants and... Jack in. <laughs> Jack into the Matrix. Log on to the mainframe. <laughs> Stu's outdated. In that terms. Anything <laughs> they said in a reboot. Yeah, yeah. Log on to the mainframe and pick a lane on the information superhighway. (laughs) 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 See, you've done it. Found a way to kill someone over the internet. No. (sighs) Don't worry, I've just moved on to my second life. Okay. Second life. Yeah, that's not cyberpunk at all, actually. (laughs)